This podcast is brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hi, this is Tim Finn, and you're listening to Gavin Wood's podcast. Andy White and Tim Finn have collaborated on a brand new album. Andy White is a Northern Irish singer-songwriter, poet, and author born in Belfast. And Tim Finn, OBE, is a New Zealand-Australian singer and musician whose musical career started with split ends and a number of solo albums, also a floating member of his brother's band, Neil's uh, Crowded House, and also the Finn Brothers. I'm so happy to welcome Tim Finn to this podcast. Hi, Tim. Hello, Gavin. It's great to have you. Now, let's do a quick catch-up before we get into uh, the new album, which I've heard, and it's fantastic, with Andy White. How have you been? I've been very well, enjoying, you know, I've been back to New Zealand now for quite a long time, probably about 22 years now, after many years living in Australia and in London, of course. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been through um, the passing of both my parents now, which, you know, is something that you do want to be around for those last years. And uh, the birth of our daughter, who's turning 20 today, actually, St. Patrick's Day, lovely day for a birthday. Wow. And uh, lots of good music along the way. You know, it's been a very creative time for over the last 20 years so yeah i can't complain at all now we first saw you in split ends with those wild crazy haircuts and wild crazy outfits on countdown and boy what a whole new breath of fresh air and creativity i mean you just blew everybody away and you continue to do it to this day well thanks gavin yeah i mean they were were great days we came to australia in 75 and um, because of michael's success with mushroom records and skyhooks uh, they were the biggest band in the country at the time we had a certain sort of leverage with countdown i think and molly stuck us on countdown um even before we'd released uh, any material in australia we we went on in 1975 and sang a song called no bother to me and i'm sure people at home were wondering um what they were watching and hearing they didn't know anything about us. And we did provoke pretty extreme reactions at the time. Some people loved us straight away and other people just couldn't stand it. And uh, that was the way of the split ends it initially. It was love-hate, but that was kind of exciting. It was, it was exciting to go on stage and play with that energy. You know? Yeah. Well, the legacy that you've left is uh, some amazing songs. Uh, I See Red, My Mistake, I Hope I Never, Six Months in a Leaky Boat, Message to My Girl, all brilliant songs. I mean, the creativity that you had was amazing. It was a very exciting environment, ends. We all respected and loved each other. And, you know, there were a few fights along the way. But basically, we, whenever we got in a rehearsal room, we were trying to impress the hell out of each other. And I think good bands are like that they really do it for each other and then they and then they take it from there to the audience and so all of our songwriting kind of rose up album by album and you know and having neil in the band from 1977 onwards was great for me because he was my brother and i trusted him and loved him but also he was just coming into his own as a songwriter so we had two songwriters suddenly in the band and of course eddie rayner on keyboards was writing material and you know, I mean, having Noel Crombie in the band, you know, creating the look from the, you know, the very first incarnation where we started wearing costume and he gave us haircuts. And, you know, so we had this whole thing and it was all coming from within the band. We never really got bothered with <laughs> by any A&R guys or any, uh, you know, Mushroom left us alone to do our thing, really. And that was fantastic. Yeah, I Got You was probably the uh, the pinnacle, wasn't it? That was when Split Ends were just, you know, solidified as one of the country's greatest acts. Well, that was, yeah, it was number one, I think, for about 10 weeks, uh, or that might have been the album. One of them was 10 weeks at number one, and one of them was eight weeks at number one. It was a very heady time. Uh, and, uh, you know, I always remember Molly predicting it was going to go to number one when it was around about, I think it was in the 30s, and we went on Countdown. He said, oh, this will be number one. And so he was he was dead right. And, 
it changed the fortunes of the band. We were suddenly playing Horton Pavilion and and uh, Festival Hall, and, you know, packing them out. It was it was a very exciting time. It took us eight years from when we started to get to that point, mind you. Well, mate, congratulations on a stellar career with Split Ends. It was just a magnificent ride for all of us. Thanks, Kevin. Now, how did COVID affect you? Did you uh, jump into the songwriting, uh, hence this new album? Well, actually, Andy and I started writing prior to COVID, and... Um, it was, it was sort of triggered by a, a newspaper article in the Irish Times, Liam O'Moynley, who was the lead singer with Hot House Flowers um, okay. for many years. He'd been in this sort of um, group that we'd formed in 1994 called ALT, A-L-T, Andy, Liam, Tim. And we released an album through Parlophone in the UK and had a great time touring. And so he did this interview um, more recently, about four years ago, uh, where he was asked about that time. And uh, we, we used to live out uh, at a place in Dublin called Dunleary, which was on the coast. And we used to do a lot of swimming there, Liam and I particularly. And so he was asked about that time when the three of us got together. And Liam said, oh, the sea holds the memory. And so when Andy and I read that, we thought, well, there's the song. And so we wrote that song. Track one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And uh, we went from there. We wanted Liam to be part of it, but he's not really up to speed with the home recording and he was he was very honest about that. So he was there in spirit and, and we kind of just, you know, feeding off that kind of um, feeling that we we had that in all those years ago and bringing it into the now, you know. It was great. You know, you know, it's very funny. I've got a big smile on my face. It's just, it's just, it's just clicked in the title of the album uh, <laughs> <laughs> from ALT, and then L goes out, and now it's AT. Uh, fantastic! <laughs> oh man, I've been uh, all last night. I've been going, what's AT? Is it at? Is it you know? And and all of yeah. this. And now I know. I, I, I should have seen it. It's plain as the nose on my face. Andy and Tim, AT. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> it was so obvious you didn't look for it that's exactly right that's brilliant all right <laughs> let, let's get into the album we've mentioned uh, sea holes my memory which is acoustic stripped back great harmony vocals and uh, and a beautiful song yeah thanks Gavin. yeah it, it was really the the doorway into the album for both andy and i and andy's a songwriter from belfast and um he lives in australia now his whole life kind of changed when he toured australia in 94 95 with with me and liam he fell in love with the place. Mm -hmm. And uh, so he's living there in Melbourne and um, Liam is living in Ireland still and I'm living over here. But we were able to, Andy and I were able to do this album remotely, as a lot of people are these days. You know, that you hear about people who live in Los Angeles two blocks away from each other and they, they, don't, they don't ever meet. They're just sending files back and forth. It's so easy. And I actually find it quite liberating. Um, so we were just sending ideas for words and songs and whenever we felt like it, we'd do some more work and, and it came together over a period of months and um, we just knew we had a winner. I mean, every song was really delightful to us and, uh, you know, we were excited by it. I was playing a bit of drums, Andy was playing a lot of guitars and we just sort of built it up from there. Now, track two on AT is uh, My Regeneration, a great song, beautiful lyric. Yeah, thanks. It was, uh, it was kind of a storytelling song which I haven't really done a lot of. Andy's done a bit more of that than me. It's got a shifting narrative and you sort of follow through this character. He's, he's, he's you know, finds himself out there in a landscape and then he's in a car, he's been picked up as a hitchhiker and then he's in a hotel room and he's just trying to kind of make sense of his life. And these are kind of episodic things that you, I suppose, flash into your mind when you've done so much travelling and touring as Andy and I have done. And it's nice to kind of bring them and weave them into a song like that and, and talk about regeneration because... I think that was one of the songs that, as COVID started to kick, you know, we're getting into these lockdown periods. 
I think that we were still working on some of those lyrics and that image probably came from that idea of this this is going to end one day and we're going to all be, you know, able to regenerate our lives. Um, it'll never be quite the same, but, you know. Tobin Brothers believe every life is unique. Every funeral should be too. Visit turbanbrothers.com.au. Hi, this is Tim Finn, and you're listening to Gavin Wood's podcast. As with the history of split ends and also you know, Fraction Too Much Friction uh, and your a solo career, you actually write songs with great stories. That's important. I, I love hearing songs with stories. Yeah, I think that's right. And even if they don't connect, you know, A, B, C, D, they may not be a linear narrative, but you get drawn in. Like I think Bob Dylan does that so well. Especially, like I say, look at that album, Blood on the Tracks, and, oh, yeah. and some of the songs, you know, in there. There's definitely a story going on, but he doesn't he doesn't make it easy for you. You've got to actually meet him halfway, and I think that that's that works for me in songwriting. Yeah. Track three on your new album, Bundle of Their Dreams, a great love affair. Um, everything uh, they did together. It, it just sounds. I I want to meet these this couple. <laughs> yeah. Well, Andy and I were lucky. We both come from uh, loving families and and our parents were you know loved each other and so we were very lucky a lot of people don't have that in their lives and yeah they were also a lot of fun our parents were um you know neil and i have often talked about this over the years the importance of family and how he and i both started singing at these family gatherings that mum and dad would have around the piano with their friends and we kind of learned the idea that music was something that was being made live in front of you you know it wasn't necessarily on a record it was it was in the room and Andy's very much from that tradition as well, being Irish, of course. I mean, you go to Ireland and there's just music everywhere. And it's taken, you know, it's normal. It's nothing extraordinary about it if somebody's singing a song in a pub. And so, yeah, Andy's parents, Belfast, they came through all those troubles up there, but he always felt safe when he was at home, you know, with his parents. And um, we started telling stories about that, yeah. Right. I'm speaking with Tim Finn about uh, his new album with Andy White. Track four, Everything Twice, uh, you're mentioning Dublin, Auckland, Melbourne. That's the connection in the song. And also the ghost of Molly Bloom raised its ugly head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was Andy's contribution. He made quite a few in the course of that song, but that was definitely an image that he he stumbled on. And... um, I've never, I've never actually read. Oh, I have read Joyce. I've read um, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man, which is a kind of an easy read. I've never read any of the uh, the big um, complex ones, um, Finnegan's Wake, Ulysses, etc. But I will one day, maybe. Um, but yeah, images of flat, you know, flatting with people and 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 everything twice. That idea that you know, here we are, Andy and me, we're we're kind of going through this again in a very different way without Liam, but we're sort of returning to that source that inspiration um you know i think that that's true for a lot of people you know they they do something and then they they want to go back and you can't go back but you sort of do another version of it somewhere along the line you know i think life affords you a second chance or a second go at it i I think it does And, and sometimes you don't even realize it's happening you know and you look back oh okay yeah i've now resolved that feeling you know now good place you know track five save me a weekend very lilting uh, wanting relief uh <laughs> on a wet weekend and i love the chorus at the i love the chorus at the end uh yes it's almost uh, almost sounds a bit jewish that melody uh cole porter always said you want a hit song write a jewish melody well, yeah, we're, not, <laughs> we're not we're not expecting this one to be a hit gavin but but um 
it has got that sort of almost Middle Eastern feel to it. I, I don't know how that happened quite, except that yearning feeling of wanting somebody to actually give you some real time, you know, not just five minutes or a cup of coffee, but actually let's sit down and really kind of, you know, be with each other for a couple of days if we can. And uh, I think that's, you know, very precious when you do spend time and you slow down enough to really connect with people often we're so busy and we just kind of in and out you know especially with phones and all the rest of it you know i'm speaking with the tim finn about the new compilation work with andy white called at the new album now track six three sheep grazing i'm thinking of three dog night when i first saw it i went three sheep grazing what what are they getting about and then you say well you're in isolation three not four three's enough <laughs> right yeah. and you've got leanne and Barbara at the end saying goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it was all based on this. Uh, Andy got this, uh, I don't know if it was an email or a, or a text from a friend talking about that. The fact that, you know, with overcrowding and, and you know, over industrialization of farming and that, you just get so many animals thrown together and so little, you know, we've all become aware, obviously, of free range eggs and you know how the chickens just it's just not right to keep them cooped up like that so we've kind of like it's now become pretty mainstream to to look for Tobin brothers believe every life is unique every funeral should be too visit turbanbrothers.com.au we'll do it down on the south island but we'll start that thing where you keep cows dairy cows inside all the time and it just it goes from bad to worse when you you think of concepts like that so started off there but we got into all sorts of themes and as this album is it, this the songs are all full of you know inter, interlocked kind of themes uh, one thing leads to another yeah we're talking about dredging for you know what happened goes on out of the ocean and and then um you know other kinds of ideas of isolation you know behind the screen actually that lyric came before COVID again so it was almost a little bit prescient about the idea of how isolated we we're all going to be quite soon, you know, little do we realise. But, yeah, you can just be isolated even without that, uh, without any pandemic going on, just by spending so much time on screens and all that. So, yeah, all sorts of ideas, and and but all with a kind of lilting, uh, you know, melody and a sort of, um, I don't know, you know, it's just got this kind of bit of fun about it, Andy kind of doing those almost McCartney-ish kind of mouth trumpet sounds, you know, and, Mm-hmm. What's that song of McCartney's? Uncle Albert. Da, 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 da. Oh yeah, yeah. We're so sorry. Yeah, Uncle Albert. Uh, yeah, it made yeah. me think of that. I love that song. Yeah. Mm. Well, I got to tell you, we're only halfway through the album, and and just hearing you describe the album, I love the album even more. So thank <laughs> you so much. Thanks, Kevin, for going right into it. Let's get to Warrior of Love. I mean, this is full on. I'm I'm thinking Harker here. You know, it's a, it's. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it'd be a great song to do live. It will be a great live song it, it, if we ever get to do some shows, which we're hoping we we will. Um, Good. Yeah, no, this was a character that Andy came across up in Canada, I think it was, and he told me about one night, and he was covered in tattoos, and um, he had love and peace on his knuckles, and um, I think he, had, I think he might have had a split ends one on there, and um, it just. It just appealed to me this idea of a guy because they sometimes look so threatening when they're when they've got so much ink on them, you know. And and then you kind of talk to them and you realise that they're actually quite, you know, some of them anyway are quite loving and 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 their positive outlook and all that, you know. So you sort of have a knee jerk reaction sometimes to to things, you know. And uh, we're all pretty used to it now, of course. Tattooing is, I mean, it's just so mainstream. It used to be, you know, a pretty radical thing to do back in the seventies. 
But now it's like every kind of middle-class kid has got a few tattoos on them. And, you know, but this guy was literally covered. And I just loved the idea of this warrior of love out there, you know, kind of brandishing his his fist. And then you realise he's got peace on one hand and, and, and love on the other side. You know, it just it was a nice thing to, to think about. Oh, what a great uh, description. Fantastic. Now, the happy song, track eight, best fun time in ages. This is a real good sing-along. Yeah, this is this could be a single. I mean, we might have to do an edit, but it's it's definitely got a possibility. Got a great chorus and, um, you know, all kind of the idea. Andy went out for dinner one night in, in Melbourne and it was a dinner party and, um, you know, there were some very interesting people there and, and uh, mostly women. And, and one of them had a daughter who was playing the cello and one was a writer. And, you know, he was just kind of flirting and, and, and having fun and and it stayed with him. And, um, you know, I sort of helped him write this song about it. And, and like the others, it ended up being about a whole lot of other things because um, that sort of unrequited yearning that you can sometimes come away from a dinner party with uh, and then there's a, there's a bit of an uh, like a radio announcer at the end talking about a um, a program that was I think it was on the BBC but we weren't allowed to yeah you know, we probably shouldn't have used it but the, her voice is on there uh, talking about how no one's having sex anymore and, and you know it's quite a she's a gay straight we're just not doing it and that and like oh you know we'll use that and uh, on we went yeah <laughs> on we went from there. Well, speaking of that, what's your songwriting process? Do you and Andy discuss the stories and work through it and then you sit down at the piano and tinkle out some kind of melody and then try and put some words to it? It, it sounds like it's a really complex way to do it. it it's actually much simpler. I mean, the, the thing is that the Andy literally would have told me about that in one email and I would have gone away and written a whole lot of lyrics and and we found a tune and then sent it back to Andy and he put the guitars on it and that'd be that. It was very very fast um, coming from I suppose years of not working together and remembering alt and remembering yeah just the closeness and the fun we had because that that alt band was like an escape from our day jobs because I'd been in a band for years with Spadens and then I was in Crowded House for a while. And so this was like a holiday to be just in another band that wasn't a real band. We weren't looking for global success or, you know, we did, we did end up with a record deal with Parlophone, but we, we weren't looking for a deal. We were offered one, it's, it, quite fortunately. But, yeah, so it just had a different feel to it. And same for Liam after years of Hot House Flowers and Andy of being a solo artist and really, you know, trying to make it in that world. But the, So Alt was like a real break for us. So when we came to this record at... Um, we we were sort of able to tap back into that vibe, you know, and so the songs were written really easily and, and it just flowed, yeah. Any song can be played at a funeral. What would you like? Visit tobinbrothers.com.au Hi, this is Tim Finn and you're listening to Gavin Wood's podcast. By the time we get to track nine, uh, you realise how important family is to you because uh, the song is called It's Family and it's really a coming together, isn't it? It is. It was very much influenced by... Um, Dad's passing. He he died during the the writing and recording of this album. Uh, he was ninety seven. He had a very good innings. Oh, what a great life! A great life to be celebrated. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he wouldn't mind the cricket metaphor because he he was an obsessive cricket um, follower. And he'd, he'd imagine what he'd be feeling now with the Black Caps beating England and Sri Lanka on the last ball. Yes. Yes, amazing. Incredible. <laughs> that might have done him in if nothing else had before that. <laughs> he would have died very happy. <laughs> he would have. A glass of whiskey held aloft, yeah. But um, he died during this, and so we were all 
down there with him in the last days. And then, you know, this song was very much influenced by that when I thought about all the things that Dad had witnessed last century. And that's what happens when we lose somebody, you know, from who's that old. You lose a witness to so much. You know, he witnessed... He was in World War II. He, he saw the Great Depression. He he saw the arrival of, tele, uh, you know, rocket ships and you name it. And so it just was easy to kind of create those images. And then our daughter, Elliot, sang. She she was about 14 and she'd been very close to to Dad. Uh, no, actually, she was probably about 16. But, um, and so we asked her to sing that line and it's so haunting. Um, it's family forever, family forever. Um, and... Um, so yeah, it was it was a very emotional time, and it was great to be able to uh, put some of that into the song. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you said that because I felt the same way when when my dad passed. You know, a whole a whole basic century had just gone. You know, and and there's nothing worse. My we grew up in a country town in Western Queensland, and and I'd always ring my mother, and she'd say. You remember Susan Smith? You know, she was married to so-and-so and she had, and all of that, and she had all the history. And when mum died, all that all that went, and it was very sad. It is sad, yeah. People are getting into recording now and sort of making little videos and stuff, but it's nothing like sitting down and just going through it. Dad loved to have a one-on-one. You know, he couldn't handle big bunches of us. So one of us would get time with him, and it was very precious, yeah. Brilliant. Track 10, The Happiness Index. Now, this is a, a full-on contest and chant. Explain The Happiness Index to me. Yeah, well, there is a, such a thing, obviously, as The Happiness Index. It was started by the king of Bhutan. Uh, and Bhutan is a Buddhist country. And so he was getting at the idea of, well, let's, let's, have, a, let's have a look at how happy we are. Because Buddhists, the big thing for Buddhists is, you know, that we're all the same underneath all the trappings and things that are on the surface. We're all the same underneath. We all want to be happy. So he decided, well, let's figure out how happy we are. And he created this uh, measure of happiness, you know, based on certain things that happen in our lives and societies. And um, somebody else, uh, you know, heard about it and took it on. And next minute it became this kind of global competition. And, uh, yeah, not like it's, uh, well, I see it that way, in an almost semi-humorous way, because, you know, inevitably somebody's going to be on top, somebody's going to be on the bottom. And, you know, the top country over and again is Finland or one of those Scandinavian countries. They always seem to get on top as number one most happy country and the bottom are, you know, the very poor countries. And when we were writing the song, it was Chad, this country in Africa. And so... It just seemed a bit rough, you know, to say to somebody, well, you, you, you're the unhappiest country on earth, you know. I mean, they might be, they might not be. Uh, you know, how do you, yeah, it just seemed, the. I guess there was a kind of a paradox in that and, and it appealed to me as a song because, you know, it's supposed to be about reflecting on your own society, you know. Run this measure past your society. If the, only the politicians would dare to do that and figure out how happy people are and, and see what you can do about making them more happy. But instead, it's like, well, we're happier than you and we're happy, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, New Zealand is supposedly is about number eight and I think Australia's in the top 20 somewhere. So you choose your own index. Is that what you're trying to say? You, you follow your own path? Well, they're applying the King of Bhutan's measures, you know, like uh, based on, I don't really know them all off by heart, but it, there'd be ways, you know, how happy are you with your job, how happy, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all those sort of things. And then they people, you know, somebody's been using it to sort of figure out who the happiest country on earth is and who the unhappiest. It's not something that politicians would take very seriously because, um, you know, they're, they're trying to avoid the question a lot of the time. Hey, the final track on At, 
or AT, Andy and Tim, rock and roll star. Now, I love this, a fail star, but he's happy with his lot and he's happy where he's kind of landed. And I love the tempo changes in this song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, this one came out of left field. We were just kind of imagining if we were writing a musical, you know, what we might write about. And um, we got into this idea of this guy. And, he, yeah, he, he's he never quite made it. And... Um, he he's, he's he's he sort of really fancies this woman whose whose daughter is a bit suspicious of him, and he's he's got a sports car that only goes forty, and um, I don't know. It just became this affectionate sort of look at so many people in rock and roll who they usually give it up when they're around forty. In their forties, it becomes really tough, and you see a lot of people drop away, you know. And I felt that in my forties, I was like, shit, you know, like. You could just feel the pressure of all these young guys coming through and young women and young, you know, just young people generally kind of wanting wanting to get in on the on the you know, the whole thing. And that's fair enough. I didn't have any problem with that, but it does mean you feel the squeeze a little bit. And then I think once you get to about fifty, if you're still doing it, well then you're fine, you know, and you just be sorted. And and the great benefit of being older, uh, you know, which I am now, is that, you know, no one's gonna doubt that you're in it for the right reasons. I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to be a pop star anymore. So, you know, if you're writing songs, it's because you, you know, you just basically can't stop. You know, you, you love doing it. And uh, people really trust you, I think, after a while, even if they're not listening to your new record. There's a vibe that's kind of quite positive towards you, you know. But in your 40s, you really feel the heat. And so this guy's, you know, come through that and he's he's trying to hang on, I suppose. And um, you know, rock and roll is full of stories of quite, of quite you know, quite sad stories People who who didn't never made it, or maybe they made it and lost it and blew it, and made mistakes. And you've seen plenty of those, obviously. And um, so, yeah, we were trying to just. This podcast brought to you thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives every day of the year. And the, and the, the guitars are kind of quite glam, you know, that sort of sound of Mark Bolin or, um, you know, those kind of bands in the early 70s. So, yeah, that was just. Happy accident that it turned out that way. Well, mate, congratulations on such a brilliant album. I love all the 11 tracks. And now that you've explained all those tracks to me, I love them even more, as I said before. Thanks, Gavin. The album is uh, AT, Andy and Tim. Now, has this album stirred you up to do more, another solo album from you, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, it's always possible. I am writing a lot. I, I write a lot for theatre now. I'll do, um, I've written a, a couple of musicals that have been produced by Melbourne Theatre Company and Queensland Theatre Company. And I, I've written an opera that was on here in New Zealand last year. I co-wrote. It was a collaboration because I don't even read music. Uh, you know, I wrote, wrote the music and lyrics for that and we, we put an opera together and it worked pretty well. And it was, you know, interesting to me to explore that form. And so, you know, th there's no kind of, I don't know what I'll be doing next exactly, but it just seems to be flowing quite well at the moment. Tim, a few um, a few questions without notice before we wrap this up. Who inspired you to make music? Uh, well, I think my parents basically, like when I was a little kid, mum played a bit of piano. She she had me and Neil singing harmonies around the when we were doing the dishes. And dad was a, an obsessive um, a jazz big band swing kind of fan, and he was always playing records. And so I think that was the early early stuff. And then the Beatles came along in 1963 when I was 11. And television arrived in our town at the same time, so it was just a double whammy. When the when the Beatles came along, it blew everybody's heads off. Now, what have you uh, learned over your musical journey? I've learned how fortunate I am, really, because you know, to do something I love um, for this many years, like for I, be, I started seriously doing music when I was about twenty-one, and here I am at seventy, 
so that's um you know that's amazing kind of span of my life um that I've been able to make it work you know and and just enjoy and explore all the different you know parts of music that I have and all the different forms it comes in so yeah very very fortunate what was the effect of countdown to your career countdown was hugely influential for split ends and it you know basically gave us i mean everybody says this but it was just a, a door you know a window into the souls of australia i mean every sunday everybody would sit down and watch countdown i i would hate to think how many people used to watch it it must have been 2 million plus and you know that that doesn't happen anymore so you had the attention of that many people and even if they didn't run out and buy your next record they would remember you and you'd get another shot the thing great thing about countdown for me was they put people on before their records were successful as opposed to say the bbc show top of the pops where you had to be i think you had to be inside the top 40 but countdown would put you on when you were nowhere in the charts if they liked you and i mean that was that was astonishing the 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 fearlessness of that show, and and it made people love it, you know. Excellent, mate. Uh, I, I've got to congratulate you once again for this album, A.T., Andy White and Tim Finn. Uh, do yourself a favour, as uh, good old Molly would say. Get out there and buy it, because really there are 11 tracks full of uh, some great uh, lyrics and a great journey. Mate, good luck with your uh, your journey. You'll always be welcome over in the Big Island, so get over here as, as, as quickly as you can. Appreciate it, Gavin. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. I love you, mate. All the very best to you. Thank you. Thank you, Gavin. This podcast brought to you thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives every day of the year.